Welcome to the Top Order podcast. It's going to be a baldy dominated show today as we talk about a historic series for Australia travelling to Pakistan for the first time since 1998 for test matches. They've got a new coach. Will they have any new players in the lineup? All coming up, the key questions that we'll answer on this Australia versus Pakistan preview. Stay tuned. So, it wouldn't be a top order podcast preview show without an explainer. So, we've got a test series going on. Anything different about this? What's the haps with Australia, Pakistan? Well, only different in that it's the first Australian tour to Pakistan, as you said, since 1998. So, 23 and a half short years since Australia visited Pakistan shores. Australia are over there for three tests, three ODIs, and a T20 to round out the tour of Pakistan and it all kicks off Friday March the 4th at the Royal Pindi Cricket Stadium for the first of three test matches. Then we go to the National Stadium in Karachi for the second test on Saturday March the 12th and we finish the series at the Gaddafi Stadium in Lahore on Monday March 21st. Then we're into the white ball part of the tour and it's all going to be back at the Royal Pindi Cricket Stadium for ODIs March 29, March 31 and April the 2nd and then a final T20 again at the Royal Pindi Cricket Stadium on Tuesday, April the 5th. Head-to-head in Pakistan, Australia have won three tests, Pakistan seven, and there have been 10 draws in the 20 tests played in Pakistan. South Australia have won two series, Pakistan five, and one drawn series. That last series in 1998 was a 1-0 win to Australia. Australia haven't won prior to that since the 1950s. Ground by ground, Pakistan have excellent records at all three venues. One, three, lost three, and three draws at Royal Pindi. At the National Stadium, they have a mighty record, 23 wins, two draw, uh, two losses, just the two losses and 18 draws. And at Lahore, it's 12 wins, six losses and 22 draws for Pakistan. So impressive records at home, as you would expect. Lots on the, lots on the, uh, on the, Lots on the line. Lots on the line. Thank you, Raj. That was a great save from you. In terms of the World Test Championship standings as well, Australia, having played five tests, currently sits second with 52 points, four wins and a draw at a percentage of 86.66. And Pakistan, having played three to, uh, four tests for three wins and a loss, are at 75%. So they sit third in the World Test Championship standings. A big series victory to either team will put them well on their way to that final again at Lords in a couple of years' time. A loss, 2-0 or 3-0 in this series would put both of those sides well on the back foot. Baldy, lots and lots to take in there. And I guess to a large extent, we don't really know what to expect too much from Test cricket in Pakistan. It's been a while since we've probably had enough games to constitute, I guess, knowing what the venues are going to do in terms of pitch conditions, etc. We can only probably go on a bit of historic data. Australia seem to have covered all of their bases in their squad. They've got the left arm orthodox of Ashton Agar. They've got a couple of wicket keepers in Kerry and English. Clearly, from an all-rounding perspective, they've got uh, Cameron Green, who had a fantastic Ashes. But then they've also included the likes of Mark Steckerty from Queensland, uh, Mitchell Swepson as a leg break bowler. So I'm sure uh, Warney's getting um, look just a little bit excited thinking about uh, Mitch Swepson. What bowling attack do you expect Australia to take into the series? 
I think Australia will seriously consider taking two spinners and Cameron Green into that first test match. Even if the conditions sort of favour fast bowling, I think Australia will feel like two spinners, particularly two finger spinners, one of which can take the ball away from that right-hand dominant Pakistan order, will be will be the way forward for them. Um, so that means that Ashton Agar probably comes into calculation for Australia as well. The Australian cricket setup really liked Ashton Agar as a batter. We saw that in the T20 series. They elevated him to open the batting. He's batted at like five and six in the T20 format. Of course, he has a test match 98 at number 11 on debut. So I think the Australian selectors will feel like Ashton Agar in that side, maybe at eight or even number nine if, if Pat Cummins bats at eight elongates their batting order a little bit. Who they leave out in terms of that fast bowling trio is yet to be determined. I think that they've got their eye on Mitchell Stark to give them a little bit of Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood to go with Nathan Lyon as well. So, as you know, I'm not a massive subscriber to the idea or the theory that you need two spinners in the subcontinent just because. I think it's going to matter what the pitch looks like, and I think that Pakistan's biggest strike weapon is Shaheen Shah and and the pace bowlers that they've got there with uh, Harris Ralph as well, the fast bowlers that they've got. Do you think that dropping the likes of Mitchell Stark is actually weakening the Australian side just just to play another spinner when they've got the likes of Travis Head, Marnus Labuschagne and uh, Steve Smith who can all bowl? And, and you've raised a great point there. In Australia have three reasonable part-timers Leggy in Smith and Manus Labuschagne and an off-spinner in Travis Head. So they have enough part-time spin bowling. If they think that it's going to be a fast, bouncy wicket, that they can go with their three seamers and Cameron Green. Cameron Green, and we'll get to him in a little bit, is the key to that Australian bowling attack because if he can act like a third seamer, it allows Australia to play two spinners and not be too distressed by the loss of Mitchell Stark. He was devastating against England in the Australian series, but he is pretty good at home. It remains to be seen how he's going to go in Pakistan conditions, as will be the case for all of these Australian bowlers. But I just think Australia will be thinking... Why don't we try and see what happens with Ashton Agar? I would be tempted to go with the three quicks and Lion and just see what happens with those conditions. And you can call on any one of those three part-timers as you need to. And we've got this far in the podcast and we haven't even mentioned the best bowler in the world, Scott Boland. What, like, is he just not going to feature in the series? What's going on? I think Scott Boland is a natural candidate to play in Pakistan if the conditions suit a guy who has to bowl, bowl kind of wide of off stump, dry line and length. You think back to the tours where Damian Fleming, Michael Kasperovich, Paul Rifle played that kind of second seamer role. But those were all, those were all conditions where it was very conducive to spin and that and that that bowler was there to just kind of dry up and end while their spinner attacked from the other end. If we see very spin-heavy conditions, we might see someone like Scott Boland if there's an injury to Cummins or Hazelwood come into the consideration. But if you've got Cummins and Hazelwood in there that are locks for me, I don't think he'll come in unless there's rest or rotation or an injury to that fast bowling quartet. I think that the thing that I probably just pick up on in terms of that makeup of that Australian attack would be that Nathan Lyon, without a doubt, is Australia's best spinner. Um, I I think um, difficult for me to know whether I'm getting nods around the table or not because I'm not at the podcast tonight. Um, But the point I want to make around Nathan Lyon being that premier spinner in that Australian team is that without Mitchell Stark and a a pretty decent array of right-handers, although there are some left-handers in that Pakistan batting lineup as well, is that Mitchell Stark creates that you know that rough, um, which will be so useful, I think, for uh, for Nathan Lyon. So I think, yeah, almost imperative that you know Stark, I think, with his extra pace and that angle, is in that um, in that attack. And look, it's it's a little bit like um, Ajaz and Matt Henry, isn't it? I think 
Um, Bolin might have to be left out just because he's that sort of 130k uh, seamer. And if you look historically at what those wickets might be, I, I don't necessarily think they're going to be the kind of wickets that suit someone like a, like a Scotty, uh, a Scotty Bolin. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I think Boland probably, when I think about him as a bowler, he's just the perfect Josh Hazelwood replacement, isn't he? And if I think, unfortunately for him, Josh Hazelwood is such a brilliant bowler that if he's fit again, he has to be in that lineup. So, yeah, I think we're we're uh, we're on we're all on the same wavelength there in terms of him. But uh, you know, it just does feel incredibly harsh for someone to have performed so well and and not really be in the mix for for a selection. Marcus Harris included in this um, squad. Do we think he's any chance to, to force his way back in or do we think Aussie's uh, nailed on to, to open the batting? It's a really interesting conundrum because they've picked Marcus Harris as cover for Usman Khawaja, who has played at the top of the order in those last two test matches against England. But they've also talked about Marcus Harris being cover for the middle order. So it's a very interesting conundrum as to whether or not they think Marcus Harris can bat that 3-4-5. I would suspect that if anyone's going to come in it would be Marcus Harris to come back in to open the batting and then Kawaja slides down to his preferred spot in the middle order. So I think Marcus Harris is really only there if there's an injury to one of those top five or one of those top five uh, unable to play for COVID reasons or or concussion or anything like that. And I think in that case, Kawaja would slot down into the middle order and you would see Marcus Harris as an opening bat. You've also got Mitchell Marsh in there as well as cover for Cameron Green, and he could factor in in terms of a batting replacement if you needed to replace someone like Travis Head or even Steve Smith in that middle order. You know, everyone kind of shoves up one, and Mitchell Marsh kind of comes in there at, at number six or even number seven behind Alex Carey. Sorry, guys. We will move on to Pakistan now. What are we expecting from them? And I guess the series as well, which, um, you know, it's... it's Going to have some hype, I think, given the you know the um, the series, and l- let's just hope with what's going on in Russia at the moment, there's no sort of ongoing security concerns and threats and things like that. That um, look, I-, I guess, too early to really tell what might play out there. So let's just talk about what we might expect from from Pakistan um, in this series. Look, I think you're going to find a team that that is high on emotion. It is a a big series for them at home, and they're going to fight really hard. I, I think that they will. We saw what, uh, or we saw how they play when they've they've got a bit of emotion throughout that World Cup. Uh, the 2020 World Cup at the end of the year. This is even better for them because they only have to do it five days at a time rather than over that two or three week tournament. Uh, And I I really expect them to push Australia and it's going to be really interesting to see how Australia respond. As we did talk about during the Ashes, there were probably some cracks that were papered over. Um, So I'm really looking forward to that. I think that uh, Pakistan will play really well. My biggest question, just before I'll throw back to, to, to one of you, is what do their spinners look like? Uh, there's no Yassir Shah on the side. So what, what do their spinners look like going forward? Because I think that's going to be a big part for them as well. Well, coming off a reasonable amount of form is Sajid Khan, the bowling all-rounder. So he bowls off-breaks, I think. Bowls right-arm off-breaks. Um, we don't know much about him. He's only played four tests, but he is coming off a 12-er against Bangladesh in their test match in December. So he has some reasonable form coming into this fixture, but he's only played... The four test matches, 28 years of age, reasonable first-class record, but we don't really know what to expect from this Pakistan spin attack because of the recent injuries they've had to their squad. Yeah, well, I think Noman Ali will be their their number one, and um, whether Sajid plays probably depends on the balance of that side. And um, you know, we're talking about talking about the Pakistan side. The things that have come out recently is the injuries to Hassan Ali and to Fahim Ashraf, which I think it. I, 
Hassan Ali's the one who's been taking a lot of wickets recently. I think he was third in the the wickets test wickets last year behind Shaheen and um, one other person that escapes me right now, maybe Ravi Ashwin. But I think Fahim's the one that actually balances their side a lot better. Like, you, you know, they'll be able to bring in Harris Ralph, I suppose, for, for at least to get a bit of pace and, and stuff uh, to that seam bowling attack. But it really, having Fahim, it, it's not quite Cameron Green in terms of, uh, you know, what he offers, but it's very similar in, in the fact that he's averaging about 40 with the bat, I think, in recent times. Yep. And he, you know, like I said, he hasn't really taken the wickets necessarily, but he really balances that attack and mean and gives them more options in terms of what kind of attack they can have, whether it's two spinners or another seamer or all those kind of things. But, yeah, I, I really think Pakistan, back to your point, Raj, have, have got a great chance in this series. They've, they've got just class players up and down that lineup. I know I've just mentioned two that are going to be missing, but, you know, three, four, four, Five six is just really you know Azhar Ali, Baba Azam, Fawad Alam, and um and then Muhammad Rizwan who's in like unbelievable form at the moment. I know most of that's been in twenty twenty cricket, but they've and you know then you add Shaheen Shahfridi who's you know one of the best, if not the best, seamer going around at the moment. So yeah, class up and down that lineup. I think they've got a real shot at this series. And it's interesting when you talk about Pakistan being such a mercurial side and they'll be high on emotion, but they have got lots of experienced heads in this lineup that have played a lot of cricket. You have a look at the ages of some of those guys going up and down the side. Azhar Ali's 36, Baba Razam himself 27, Fawad Alam 36, Rizwan 29. Um, if you play Nolman Ali, he's 35. So they've got plenty of guys that have played a lot of cricket and experienced heads in that kind of highly emotional, highly charged environment are going to be absolutely essential, particularly if you've got a guy like Harris Ralph, who, you know, he has the ability to to, ha- to let the occasion kind of get the better of him in certain circumstances. So those guys will be super important to kind of keep the lid on not only the expectations of the Pakistan side, but also the emotions as well and make sure they get into their work and go about their business. If they can keep that all in check, I'm expecting big things from this Pakistan team in this series. Before we go into, I guess, key players and um and series predictions can we have a bit of a general chat about the importance of this series from like a cricketing context because i mean obviously we've just seen uh tours cancelled to pakistan new zealand being one of the the leading culprits i guess if you want to use that kind of word um i still sort of stand by my comments that they had every intention of going there they were actually in the country this is not a you know it wasn't some sort of plot to ruin pakistan cricket but you know, we can probably move on from that. But that then led to England then cancelling their tour. This feels to me like it's a big deal, Australia going there, in terms of the fact that they are, you know, they are Australia. You know, no one can see me doing the air quotes, but they are they are a big three side. They're, they're a really important cricketing nation. And for them to go to Pakistan, it feels like a big deal. Yeah, big deal for two reasons. One, because Australia doesn't come out of their burrow very often to play <laughs> test cricket of late. It's been a while since Australia have toured overseas for a test series. But it's huge for Pakistan cricket in general to be able to show that they can put test test series on securely and safely in their home venue and be able to promote test cricket within their own country. Because they have a fanatic support of test cricket at a local level. The PSL is very successful. I mean, Pat Cummins has already come out in Pakistan and said he feels completely safe and surrounded by professionals and it all feels sort of hunky-dory and tickety-boo. So the start is there. It's a massive, massive big deal for Pakistan cricket to be able to show that they can put on big big tournaments or big, big series in test matches. As you mentioned, it's kind of like one of those... 
one of those things where if Australia are gone and they complete a successful tour, regardless of the results, if they complete a successful tour of tests one day as in 2020, everyone else is going to go. There's yeah, no excuse. It feels hard for everyone else yeah. to say no, right, after that. Exactly. And I really like the fact that uh, the executive has gone over as well to the, for the start of the tour. Cricket Australia and the, the Players Association have gone over to start that tour. There's a bit of a... Uh, uh, you know, more there's a bit more to that in terms of they're going to look at how the what processes they've got in place for the new coaching staff and what they need to do in, in that as well. But I like the fact that they've gone over there with their players to this high, you know, supposedly high risk environment, and then they've gone with their players, not just sent them over there. Yeah, look, couldn't agree more with everything you've said. And look, I guess the legacy of look a, a lot of good stewardship, I think, from. Uh, that the you know the cricket board that was there um, headed up by a friend of the show Wasim Khan um, fought very very hard to make sure that international cricket was going to return to Pakistan, which I think um, everyone would agree. You know we we want to see and and I think just going back I guess to the players, I think that they will relish that opportunity. I, I don't necessarily think they're going to um, f- feel that sort of pressure if you like of, of test cricket returning to Pakistan I think they're going to embrace the fact um, that they're a relatively settled side and we've not often been able to, to say that um, about Pakistan in recent times and, and particularly Lippi you mentioned it that sort of engine room of Azza Ali, Baba Azam, uh, Fawad Alam and, and Rizwan and um, you know real experience in that middle order um, and look, I guess without giving away sort of, you know, where I think the key to the series is that, you know, that's one of the, you know, the components that I think is going to be so important for them um, as they progress through this three test series. Shall we move on to the key players? And I just want to touch on squads before we do that, because there's a little bit of news that's come in over the last couple of days in that you, that you touched on, Stu. So uh, Fahim Ashraf and Hassan Ali are out for the first test at least and have been replaced in the squad by Iftikhar Alam and uh, sorry Iftikhar Ahmed and Mohammad Wazim Jr. So there will be a couple of changes to that Pakistan squad uh, for the first test. Of course, Mohammad Abbas, who's a regular feature for Pakistan, not in the squad. Yasir Shah also not in the squad. Um, and there is one more opening bat whose name escapes me, who played in the last test against Bangladesh, whose name escapes me now. He's also not in the squad. Um, Abdullah Shafiq or Abid Ali? Uh, Abid Ali is the one that I'm thinking of, um, is not in the squad. So they're going to have some changes up and down their, their lineup. Who do we think are the key players for this series for both Australia and Pakistan? Oh, 100% for me, it's uh, Shaheen Shafridi. As I said, I, th- I think he's, you know, if not the best, he's he's one of the best bowlers in the world right now. Uh, his battle with that Australian top order, you know, one to one to four, one to five, is going to be so interesting. And, and one of the most interesting things for me about the whole series, because I, you know, we've just touched on how interesting it is in terms of a, a global cricket perspective, I think it's going to be an awesome series to actually see where both these two sides line up. We've we've talked about Pakistan as, you know, we talked about them, I guess, in their performance in the T20 World Cup and, and all that kind of stuff. It's a completely different format, but they feel like a side on the up. And Australia, on the other hand, it's really hard to gauge them. They also, you look through their lineup and you think, geez, they've got a really strong side, but they haven't played away for so long. So how how is Labuschagne going to play while he's away? How is, you know... David Warner's recent resurgence is that going to, is that a real thing? Steve Smith's been in a bit of a downturn. 
this is a perfect opportunity for them to all go, no, we're actually, like, if they go over there and dominate this series, it's pretty hard to say that they're not, you know, the best or, you know, top two at least sides in the world. Whereas, yeah, so I, I think Shaheen's battle with that Australian top order is going to be absolutely fascinating. and Yeah, box office sort of stuff. I 100% agree. He, he is my... Uh he is my one player or key player for the Pakistanis just because he is going up against some really a mixture of some real experience in the in the Australian batting order, but some real inexperience, especially in the subcontinent. They've played in places like the UAE, where you know the pitches there resemble State Highway One, the good parts that the government looks after, and uh, but the uh, they haven't experienced some real turners or stuff with a little bit of grass on it, and uh, in in those areas in in Pakistan. So I'm excited to see that match up. From an Australian point of view, I can't look past Pat Cummins mainly because I'm on this whole track at the moment where I think that he is the kind of guy that that picks up his team and gets them over the line. I think that if Pakistan can kind of make him less effective or make make him n- not have that impact on the game that he has been having over the last series, I think they're going to go a long way to winning this series. I'm going to take a slightly different tack. So I think for Pakistan, look, I don't think bowling is, is necessarily their concern. I, I think that they have got the ability to take 20 wickets and you would suggest that the pitches are going to um, favour the, the home side in this series. So I think it's that engine room. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Azar Ali is really key. We've seen how um, the Australians really dominated England in the Ashes by knocking over a couple of wickets early with the prowess of their new ball attack. So I think that Azar Ali potentially coming in at three and Babar Azam at four are going to be what really makes a difference for Pakistan. And I think particularly with Babar Azam as captain as well. We know the Aussies like to target the opposition skipper um, and put him under pressure. And if they can kind of chop his head off, they almost can um, yeah, sort of uh, defeat the whole side. Um, I, I think that the, the other component for me is Australia. Nathan Lyon's the key. Um, I, I don't think the Australian spin cupboard is as strong as Shane Warne would have you believe um, with, you know, Schwepson and... and um, Agar in that side. I think they're going to probably favour Agar ahead of Schwepson um, if they um, do play a couple of spinners. So look, that just really increases the importance on Nathan Lyon. I still think he's a fantastic bowler, but there are some question marks uh, around him in recent times. So he's my one to watch from an Australian perspective because I think he's so key to their success. I've got a bit of a similar take to you, Adam, in terms of the key to Pakistan's success in Pakistan. And I think it's actually forward alarm. If you think about the success that India had in the early 2000s with Tendulkar and Lakshman at four and six, the guy that was glue in between those two was Surav Ganguly. And when he batted for a long period of time with either Tendulkar or Lakshman, India put on massive, massive scores. And I think it's going to be the same kind of formula for Pakistan. I think Australia will take wickets early on in in their bowling innings, um, I think that you know whoever whoever Pakistan put in their top three, Australia are going to nick a couple off early. I think it's actually down to forward alarm to bat for a long period of time with either Baba Azam or Rizwan to generate big big scores in overs kind of thirty to eighty when the ball isn't maybe doing as much and Australia are going to have to rely on spin. All of those guys are great players of spin, but I think it's forward alarm who's got to produce a big kind of a big long innings to to bat around those guys. 
for Australia, I actually think Cameron Green is going to be uber important from a bowling point of view. No matter who we go with from an attack perspective, whether it's two quicks in Cummins and Hazelwood and then Agar and Lyon, or they go with three quicks, they pick Mitchell Stark. Cameron Green has got a job to do in terms of being able to hold up an end and stem the scoring and maybe just chip one or two wickets out in those kind of dirty middle overs 50 to 70 while Australia attack from the other end with Ashton Agar or Nathan Lyon or whoever it may be. So I think from a bowling point of view, he's huge for Australia. If he can average under 30 with the ball, get a couple of wickets per test, and then, like forward alarm, hang in there around Travis Head, Steve Smith, Marnus, whoever he's batting with, and bat a little bit of time out of the game, he's going to be uber, uber important. We haven't seen Green do that a lot in his test career from a batting point of view, so it's going to be a learning experience for him, as it will be for a lot of these Australian players who haven't played in Pakistan before. Baldy, just a really quick question on Cameron Green. If they do go in with two seamers, is he ready to take on the workload of a third seamer in those conditions? I see him as a guy that you might want to get 10 overs out of, but are you going to break him if you try and get sort of 15, 17 out of him in a day's cricket? I think if they're bowling, if they're only taking two Australian quicks, he'll still only bowl 12 or 15 overs max in a day because they'll be bowling a lot of Ashton Agar and a lot of Nathan Lyon. And I think you'll probably see Manus Labuschagne or Travis Head also get a trundle for three or four overs at a time just to break it up a little bit there. So I wouldn't expect his workload to increase very much, but the, the overs that he does bowl are going to be absolutely crucial for Australia. Interesting, particularly as Smith came on to bowl that last over. Um, in the ashes, so he's he's ahead of Labuschagne, isn't he? In the in the uh, second leg spinning ranks. Well, Labuschagne's um, own bold prediction is he's going to have two hundred Test wickets by the time he retires. So he's got a long way to go. He's going to have to get a lot of wickets in this series if he's going to get anywhere near two hundred. Mate, he must have been giving that spin work uh, spin mat a real good workout on his uh, Queensland balcony. Let's move on to series and bold predictions. Do we want to start with the bold ones, fellas? And then we'll talk uh, series after that. Lippy, we've not heard too much from you for a while. What what are your bold predictions for the series? Yeah, well, it's interesting after just hearing you guys talk about the importance of spin because I actually, my bold prediction is I, I don't actually think spin will play a significant factor in deciding the outcome of this series at all. If you look at the, you know, I could be proved very wrong when we turn up to this first test and it's uh, an absolute dust bowl and, you know, it's going, the spinners comes on in the seventh over or something. But if you look at Pakistan, you know, traditionally, this when you when you go through the numbers, spin bowling in the fourth innings in, in Pakistan has one of the highest averages of, of any country. I think actually when I looked at it, it was behind even New Zealand in terms of, uh, you know, the, the spin bowl average of a spin bowler. Uh, in the fourth innings. No spinners taken a five for in the fourth innings in Pakistan since 1986. Obviously, there's a big gap of time <laughs> where gap some it. tests haven't pl- been played in Pakistan, but even still, that's a very long time and there were there were many tests played since then. So yeah, I just think there's, there's every chance that everyone kind of goes, oh, it's in Pakistan, it's in the subcontinent, it's going to turn a lot, but actually, the strength of these two bowling attacks is in their seam attacks, and... There's no guarantee that the seam or that the pitches will be prepared as big spinning tracks like they have been in recent times in India. So, yeah, I just think spin, that's my bold prediction that spin's just not going to play much of a factor in this series. All right, I've got two, boys. I'm going to give you both of them because they're that good. The first <laughs> one is along the same lines of Lippy. So, thanks for introing that for me. I've got Nathan Lyon to average over 40 in this series. Uh, that's not a. With the bat or with the ball? <laughs> 
I wasn't going to actually stipulate. I was giving myself two ways out there. But um, with the ball, I think he's going to average over 40 with the ball. Uh, there is, if you have a look back through his series, uh, there is precedence for that. I mean, the India series, he averaged 55. I know that's that's a blip. But other series against Pakistan and the UAE, he has averaged over 40 previously on, on State Highway 1. Can I just detour? Uh, I know you've got another bowl prediction for us. But if that happens, if Nathan Lyon averages over 40 in this series... He hasn't performed especially well in recent times. Are we starting to get to a point where Australia might have to start thinking about moving on from Nathan Lyon? I think people will be talking about it. I don't think the Australian selectors will take that very seriously. There is a big gap between Nathan Lyon and Ashton Agar and Mitchell Swipson right now from a, from a talent point of view and also from a record point of view. The only way that they will change that is by playing test matches, I grant you, but... I don't think Australian selectors will seriously consider it, but I think it will become a talking point for people like us who are looking on the outside into that Australian side going, actually, should we move towards the future? But he's also got a bit of a, a talisman role within that Australian side as a leader, does the team song. Yeah, singer of the song is a well. very, very important. I mean, no, not many people get dropped when they're singing the team song, so it's uh, he's locked in there for a while yet. Oh, and I don't think he should be dropped. I love, you know, the, the revs he gets on the ball and the, the drift and the arc and the loop, I, I love it. So I'm not calling for that. I just, yeah, I just think it's interesting. And there, there it comes will become a, a talking point. There comes a point where he's actually got to start being a key figure in a series. Mm, absolutely. And the second second bold prediction I've got is Shaheen Shah Freddy to dismiss David Warner four or more times during this test series. Love it, love it. Baldy, what have you what have you got? How do you, how can you follow that? We we all around the table, most of us all love a, a David Warner being dismissed cheaply uh, prediction. <laughs> prediction, indeed. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put the moz on David Warner, but I am gonna put the moz on Smith and Manus by saying they are both going to average under thirty for this series. Wow. Wow. Why, why Why? do you think they're not going to perform? I think the conditions are foreign. And Manus is prepared by, you know, a bit of Bunnings mat and some aluminium <laughs> plating and all sorts of things to, to try and get him into the groove. Look, I admire his preparation and his fastidiousness in terms of, you know, unlocking all of the possible nooks and crannies in his mind to prepare himself mentally and physically for the series. I just think the conditions are going to be foreign to Australia. I think Smith and Manus, because of their uniqueness in their techniques if they get found out i think they could go cheaply a few times and that will count against them um in this series i think they'll both average under 30. so assuming that they bat six times they'll score under 180 runs comfortably you reckon that's my that's my take yep wow binksy what do you got for us i've got two because i'm not letting the universe boss have two and i only get one <laughs> so i'm going to go back and talk about uh, a prediction that relates to Mark Taylor scored a triple century on a uh, tour of Pakistan for Australia. So I'm going to say that we are going to see a triple century in this wow. series to another left-hander. Um, and that left-hander is, is going to be Usman Khawaja. He's going to score a triple century <laughs> in this Holy series Christ. for you, Pakistan. I, I would have uh, given you a bold for, for prediction by, by just saying that uh, someone's going to yeah, score geez. a triple century, but you've gone very specific. No, no, That's brilliant. I'm, I'm going to go as far as to say Usman Khawaja for Australia is going to score a triple century. And my second one is we're going to see a test match debut with the gloves for Josh Inglis at some point during this series as well. So there's my team. Does he have to have the gloves for your prediction? They'll, they'll be in his bag, mate. <laughs> Wow, well, I, that's the boldest of predictions we've had. Honestly, three yeah. three hundred plus for 
Usman. What's his away average look like? Because his home average is what, like 60, 70 or something? Stand by, please call He's it. going to go up massively is all I can say, boys. <laughs> right. While Baldy checks that, why don't we stay with you, Binksy? You've gone for this massive prediction that uh, Usman Khawaj is going to get a 300. You would suggest from that that uh, you think Australia is going to fare fairly well in this series. How do you think the, the final tally ends up? Yeah, well, that's where my yeah my predictions really sort of let me down massively because I, I do all of these with emotion and not a lot of logic. So <laughs> I, I think we are going to see Usman Khawaja score a big uh, a big century, but I also think we're going to see Pakistan potentially come up with. Look, I guess it's difficult to say it would be an upset for them to win at home, um, but I, I think they're going to take the series. So I think it's going to be two one Pakistan in this series uh, and some. Glory at home for Pakistan. Baldy's still checking the stats. So what have you got here, Raj? I actually, I have said there'll be no draws. So I've gone for 2-1 to Pakistan. I think that they are going to, to defend the castle at home. And I, I think Australia are good enough that they'll get they'll be able to get one. But uh, no, I think Pakistan, high on emotion. Uh, they'll they'll get two of those games, except for the one where Kawaja scores a triple century. <laughs> Baldy, you, you seem to be pointing to your phone now. You've got some stats for us. Well, this this bold prediction gets bolder and bolder. So at home, Usman Khawaja averages 55 with the bat and test cricket. At a neutral venue, he averages 76. But away from home, 24.36. So Oof. that average is going to go absolutely through the roof. 18 matches, 34 innings, one knot, 804 runs at an average of 24. He does have 100. In that in that uh, in that eight hundred runs, just one. He's got to get three. So he's got to get he's got to get three of them in one dig. Uh, but if well, he does so, his average is going to go through the roof. So that is bold. That is brave that's and the, bold. And the, look, that's the beautiful thing with statistics because um, Usman Khawaja, of course, born in Islamabad. So some could say this is a, a home series, <laughs> and, and therefore, I love it. you know, therefore those stats, you know, uh, stats are for prats, right? So yeah, Usman <laughs> so, to score the three hundred. Fair enough. We will. We'll, uh, you've given us plenty to, to cut in terms of uh, social clips, at least here, Big C, So that's good. Look, I'm I'm going to stick with uh, unbelievably unanimous around the table so far. Two one to Pakistan. I I actually think the the test that they're at most of risk of losing is this first one because I do think the loss of Hassan Ali and, and uh, Fahim Ashraf is is a you know big loss as I touched on before. Particularly, yeah, the balance of the side, and um, I wonder if because of that balance of the side sort of stuff, maybe this first pitch does, they try and tailor it to spin a bit more. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I just think Pakistan, that we've talked about all their class players. Australia hasn't toured for a long, long time. This is going to be a tough series for them. I think this is a Pakistan side that is heading towards this World, Cham- World Test Championship final, uh, and it's going to be huge for them if they can and pull off a, a 2-1 win. And um, I suppose from a... Side that, uh, you know, from a, I guess, a side that we're thinking about how important this series is globally, it will be a huge, a fairy tale story, I suppose, if they can win this series and, and pull it off 2 1. Guys, I think we just got to hear from Baldy with his predictions. Um, so, yeah, Baldy, are you going to book the trend and go for an Australian victory, which would be very much unlike you um, to, to back your own boys? I've given Raj my notes that I wrote down before that we started recording this episode, including my serious prediction, Raj, just so that I don't be acute. I'm not accused of cheating or or of changing my prediction. I am going to be boring 
and agree with all of you. I think Pakistan win the series 2-1. I think Australia take one test off them, but Pakistan win 2-1, which means we're all right or we're all going to be equally wrong <laughs> at the end of the series. And recent series uh, have told us that we're always all wrong. So it must be something other than 2-1. But, yeah, I've got 2-1 to Pakistan. Well, boys, that just about does wrap up this episode of the Top Order podcast. Of course, your call to action as our loyal listeners is to get down to the TAB um, or other betting services are available um, and put some money on Australia because um, they are a lock for a series victory based on our predictions. But would like to hear your views in the comments. So do drop us a note on any of our social channels or our website, thetoporderpodcast.com. But for now, it's good night and God bless from us all here in Auckland. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>